say you're always on time. Why? Because my, I don't know, maybe growing up, my mom and dad, we were four of us. She would dress us and say, don't move. And then, of course, I would move and go play in the dirt or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then we would be late. And of course, I probably got yelled at. So now my kids are as bad as me with being on time. Being on time is being 10 minutes early. So it's yes. just funny. It's a funny habit that you develop. And it's just I'm wired now. It's not funny. Well, you know, because I feel the same way. My father taught me always leave with enough time to change a flat tire on the way there so that you're on time. That's right. And it, it was always be there 10 minutes early. And in my family, we call it go mode. And I'm the enforcer of it. Go mode is get through the airport, get to the gate. Then you can go look around. That's right. Don't waste it anyway. But it's funny how the things you learn as a kid become the things you practice as an adult. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast is because, well, let me go into how I even know you exist on the face yeah. of this earth. Yeah. yeah, the intro was cool. I actually happened to have a client called the State Bank of Cross Plains, and they have a podcast. And I worked with them on developing the podcast, and now I do their editing of episodes. So I get the episodes, and I take out the ums and the awkward pauses and stuff like that. And they have an episode, I think it's episode number 39, featuring a woman from New Jersey named <laughs> Connie Whitman. And I'm listening to this episode going, wow, that's really smart. Oh, that's really smart. Oh, that's funny. Oh, wow. I feel the same way. And the more that the podcast went on and on and on, I'm like, I got to have her on my podcast. So that's why I reached out because, again, I protect my podcast. I, I really want my listeners to hear from valuable people. So I protect it. I don't, you know, I get incoming calls to uh, see if they can be on my podcast. And I typically say, uh, I don't think you're right for it. But boy, Connie Whitman. You are right for this podcast, and I want to prove it. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I want to start out, and I don't want to rehash episode number 39 of the Wealthways podcast, because anyone can go out and find that. Again, uh -huh. Wealthways, episode number 39 with Connie Whitman. Definitely give it a listen, especially if you're a woman who's interested in getting more wealth into their life in terms of not only money, but love and flexibility and everything else. So it's a great conversation over there. But one of the things you mentioned in there that I think is important is the, without going into ages, I'm, let's just stipulate that we're similarly aged, which okay, means- Okay, wait, wait, before you go further, we're, we're, we're definitely seasoned, right? So I, now my version of seasoned is we're hot and spicy. So just wanted to put that out right. there. And, I'll, and my version of that is vintage. I oh, am I like, like a fine vintage brandy. Love I've been it. aged in the barrel. Yep. But one of the things that struck me was you started in what at the time was, uh, I believe, auto loans and leasing. Mm -hmm. That's right. Good memory. And then you reached a point at that company where you got slapped in the face with the gender card. Yeah. You want to tell us that story for a sec? Yeah. So life is interesting, isn't it? Because when you look back now, all of these things had to happen for me to be a business owner of 20 years and write all these, all these great things. But back then I was a kid. I didn't know anything had graduated from college and got this job at a, a credit company, but it was for automobiles. 
And so they put me in this lease department. Now you have to remember, DP, in the 80s, we're talking the 80s, peeps, okay? But back in the 80s, leasing wasn't even a thing. It was so new. So it was happening, the dealerships, the gentlemen, mostly gentlemen who were selling the cars, they were dealing with a lot of business owners. And leasing back then, you can write the entire payment off as a business expense versus just the interest on the retail side. So, and I was going for my MBA at night. So I'm looking at this thinking, wow, they're kind of hurting the customer and they're leaving money on the table for themselves because they got a little bit more of a payout. So I, I would call them up, write the dealers and I'd say, hey, Joe, you know what? Just listen to me for a minute. And I would go through and say, you really should put the, you know, Connie or whatever the business owner is in a lease. And they go, yeah, we don't know that leasing. The calculation is hard because we use calculators back then. We didn't have computers. Right. So literally, DP, I would teach them how to do the calculation. Well, what happened then, of course, is my leasing deals coming in went from null, right? Literally zero. So I want to say we had several hundred a month. So I had exponentially grown it. The dealers were making more money. The customers were thrilled. So why it exploded so much also is because people share good information. So my, the business owners were going to their business peeps, right, through networking and whatever, saying, hey, man, you need a new car, do a lease, go to my friend Joe at XYZ dealership. So all of a sudden, there was this explosion. So of course, what ended up happening is these gentlemen, right, all of these dealerships, they would call me and say, okay, I have this deal. And they would actually consult, like, what did I know? I was 23 years old. But I, I think in numbers, I see in numbers, right? That's my, that's, that was my zone of genius even back then. So then fast forward, so that's the backstory, uh, DP. So then fast forward, a sales position came up and all of these dealers are calling me going, God, you got to apply. This is you. Sales is you. And I was like, I, I sell? No idea in my version, right? Or my perspective, I was teaching them for this just win, win, win situation that everybody walked away super happy. And apparently that was sales. So that was my first experience with sales, which again, what did I know? So I go into my boss and I say, hey, look at the lease. I, you know, I love providing the why he should promote me, not just, hey, you like me, I'm great, promote me. I went in and I said, look, I grew the leasing from this to this. The dealers are calling me to consult. The dealers are calling me to tell me to apply for the sales position. So what do you think? That's when he said to me, DP, because you're a girl and this industry will never let a woman go into a sales position or an exposed position like that. And I, I had never heard of such a thing because I wasn't I just wasn't raised that way. And he was a really good guy, though. And, I, and this is really a shout out to him. His name was Don Hill. But he said to me, you're so smart. You have so much on the ball. You see what you created here. You need to go and find another job because you will never get ahead in this company. And he allowed me to go on interviews while I was working. I would say, Don, I have an interview. Go. Don't worry about it. You do what you have to do. So he was really lovely because he helped me, even though the company held his hand. And I'm sure that happens across the board. Wow. That's that's really interesting because I think that Don Hill guy knew something about you. You didn't know at the time, which was he knew the personal brand that is now Connie Whitman, even in its nascent early age form. And he said, you're a different species. You're not going to thrive here. You need to do this thing that back again, I'm old enough to remember this. 
<laughs> the word entrepreneur was not in the lexicon of American business. It no. was a French word that meant something. Ho, ho, ho. I don't know what it means. <laughs> then when entrepreneurship became not only known, but embraced people like you hopefully woke up and said, you know what? I'm not meant to go nine to five work at someone else's thing. I will take the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'll take that adventure because that's the way I'm wired. And Don Hill recognized that in you probably before you did. Uh, fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. But, it, but it's really true because sometimes the people who can most accurately define who you are, what you do, and how you do it are the ones who watch you do it every day. And you don't necessarily know that. Like, it's interesting that you said, I see in numbers. Now, I'll tell you, I don't see in numbers because <laughs> math was my biggest pain point in high school and I avoided it in college and I avoid it every single day. Because if I was good at math, I would be a scientist because creatively, I, I love the creativity of science, but I don't speak the language of math. So everything you do is informed by that ability to see in numbers and speak numbers. Consequently, even if you walk into someone with not a product, but a solution, you've got the numbers right there to say, and here's why you're going to listen to me. And I think that's part of your sales process, right? You teach something called the ESP process. What, what does ESP stand for? So it's interesting. I published a book with COVID like everybody else. It was like pivot hard. And I did. <laughs> and one of the things I had, my hips were, were really loose back then, let me tell you. So I had a book on the shelf. My children were little and I had pulled together this book and then just kind of let it lay because their, you know, their life became busy with hockey and, and being active in the school and all those things, you know, that moms do. And then I thought, oh, I have that book. You know what? I'm going to get it published. And didn't know how to do that, but the universe provides and people found me that I needed. And ultimately I published, became a number one international bestseller. So when I was labeling the title of the book, I really thought about what is the subconscious message? Because I believe a lot goes on on the subconscious level with everybody we communicate with. So subconsciously, what did I want people to feel just when they heard the, the title? So ESP is extrasensory perception. My ESP is the easy sales process. My, I believe, I believe, DP, my ESP is much easier than figuring out the extrasensory perception if you don't have that natural skill. And then the subtitle to it is seven steps to sales success. So it's just when I started my business 20 years ago, I, it's funny again, how you go, like you said, Don saw something in me. Well, now I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to start a business. What the heck am I going to sell? And there and I thought you're really good at teaching. Obviously, from my 20s, right? I was teaching all those dealers. Well, by my you know 39 years old, I kind of figured out I was good at teaching and communicating. So I thought I should teach people how to sell from this place of love, from this place of education, and not that pushy, easy, icky kind of perspective. So then I had to sit and self-reflect and think, well, you've been successful for you know 19 years. What'd you do? Like, how did you do that? And I started to break down my process, my, my thought process really is, is what I think I, I examined. And I came up with these seven steps of logic. See, now this is where the math, I think, comes in. To me, it was, okay, you have to do this before you do this. Then you have to do this before you do this and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how I came up with the seven steps. So 
I think the mathematical piece of it is that I think logically. So if, if and, and I love how you said that, DP, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, this is my situation or this is my business and it's stagnating, I immediately see opportunity. Like, we have thought of this. Have you thought of it? So I immediately see solutions because my logic kicks in and I see with clarity what they should be doing. And I know that sounds so egotistical and I don't mean it to, but I just see with clarity things that their blind spots are in. Oh, I, I do the same thing. And that that's what happens when you've been in the saddle for three, four decades doing what you do. What people who haven't been in the saddle for 40 years they don't see what you see so easily because you've seen it over and over yeah. and over again. And I love the fact that in here's the thing, this, the marketing guy in me goes, oh, you're really smart because you framed everything you're presenting as a sales process because the marketplace is out there saying, oh, I need to sell more. I need to sell more. I need to sell more. I got to find a solution for that. So you're attracting them with the, here's a sales process that works. But in reality, the marketing mind in me is saying, you're not doing a sales process. You're doing a solutions relationship building process. 100%. Because everything I've heard you say on the Wealthways podcast was, I'm not about transactions. I'm about a lifetime relationship of many transactions and referrals and evangelism. And, and you become my unpaid sales force because of the recommendations you're giving to other people for me. You know, okay. I see you nodding your head. And yes. uh, I, I think you agree that sales, if you're thinking sales is about transaction, that's a one and done. But if you're thinking sales is an invitation to a relationship of where you continually supply satisfactory solutions, boom. You, you've got a, a lifetime of transactions ahead of you. Yeah, and it's fascinating because you do attract the right people. And I am all about, and the, the, the Wealthways podcast where Dawn and Jane interviewed me, I met Dawn through a networking group that we belong to. Now, I'm in Jersey and she's out, you know, in the Midwest. And we immediately hit it off. And, and because my heart, I grew up in banking. So that's where I kind of got my education, right, in sales, where I taught sales. I was a regional sales manager. And my job was to get my region to hit number one. And I'm also competitive DP. They had to hit number one. So how did I get them to hit number one? Not through the iron fist of you better get the numbers up. I went in and I coached. <laughs> all of my managers and said, let's examine each of your employees. Where are their deficits? Not weaknesses, deficits, because I don't believe we have weaknesses. I believe we have areas of growth that we didn't know were there yet. And we would examine each employee and say, all right, let's coach this one on this. This one is really good on the telephone. Let's, let's let her leverage that. And we came up with strategies and I was always number one. And again, it was through education. Isn't that funny how that kept you know, funneling through and, and layering through everything I did through my corporate career and now as well as my, my business career. And one other thing I want to comment on that I love that you learned just from listening during Dawn and Jane's podcast, the Wealthways podcast, the relationship, and everybody talks about this, but they talk about it. I don't know that they walk, you know, they talk the talk. I don't know that they walk the walk, but it is about the relationship. So I'm going to tell you, DP, weekly, I probably send out about a dozen emails. DP, you need to meet this person. As soon as I'm like, I'm meeting you, I'm already thinking of 
I need to introduce them to this person because of your zone of genius that you need to meet another person because together I think magic can happen. Right. And there's absolutely nothing in it for me, but that doesn't matter because when you start to build that network of relationships as opportunities present themselves, they're saying, Hey, you need to meet my good friend, Connie. She's the best. You, you just her the way she talks about sales. You're going to love it. So you, it's the reciprocity, right? It's the, the universal law of reciprocity, but I don't think like, Oh, down the road, I'm going to get a referral. Never even enters my mind. It's about true relationship building and always coming from this place of love and help. And as soon as you take that perspective, magic starts to freaking happen. Easy peasy. Oh yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. And that more you give, the more you get, especially if you don't think about the getting part of it. Absolutely. Oh man. That is the key of getting out there with your personal brand on social media, because half the time you're throwing stuff out there that you think is a value and you don't know if anyone's picking it up and you go, Oh, I don't even know. Like my podcast I've done, this will be probably episode uh, 150 plus of the podcast. And I'll be honest with you. I pay a little bit of attention to my analytics, but not a lot because I don't care. Cause if I let the analytics tell me that not enough people are listening, stop doing it. I would stop doing it. Oh. I don't want to stop doing it. I want to yeah. be consistent every single week because this is the one thing I have found that I've been able to do for closing on the end of three years, the start of year four. Okay. I'm a writer and I should be a blogger. I hate blogging and I have never been able to consistently write articles because I write all day long for other people. Right. It's like the shoemaker's children. I'm, I'm barefoot right now, you know? This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, now available on Amazon.com. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. But one of the things I want to talk about is that consistency is one thing, but one of the things I heard you talk about, and I don't think they actually, or you talked about it this way, was the power of follow-up, mm, which yeah. is, because everyone says, you've got to be consistent, you got to be consistent, you got to be consistent, but they don't say, and you have to follow up. Because talk about deficits, I'll point to one of mine, and that is follow-up. I'm great at consistently putting out a podcast every single Monday for three years. I am horrible at follow-up in terms of making sure that episode that I spent so much time crafting gets as many eyeballs, earballs, whatever you want to call them as possible because I'm on to the next thing. But you, again, going back to the days of Rolodexes and index cards, you know what follow-up is. Can, can you talk us through your kind of follow-up philosophy? Yeah, and, and that's such a, it's just such a big question. And, you know, one, one, one of my modules, right? The last, actually, step seven is follow-up in my, my program. 
And here's the, here's the importance of follow-up. If you don't do it, you're leaving probably about 80% of deals that you could have on the table. And that could translate into a lot of money, right? And, 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 and let me just take a, a, you know, and I think I talked about this on the wealth waste too. And I, I want everybody to understand, I like money. There's nothing wrong with money, baby. Okay. Yeah. Because the more money I have, the more I can do in the world, right? Philanthropically, giving to charities, building foundations, whatever it is that tickles my fancy. For me, making money doesn't mean, oh, go buy a bigger house, you know, buy that new car. We buy our cars and we keep them for 17 years yep. <laughs> because I fall in love with my, I buy a car that's really good and we keep it. So it's not, money isn't about, oh, because I want to buy crap for myself. Money is about, we could do better things in the world, right? This exchange of energy. So I just want everybody to understand that. So money is a really beautiful thing. So if you're not following up and, and it's, <laughs> here's the thing, you talk to someone and there, and you go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm great for you. I could really help you out. And then they never hear, and they go, you know, let me think about it. And you say, okay. And then you never follow up. There's probably an 80% chance that person would say yes. If they just get to know you a little bit better, truly see what you're about, maybe watch your podcast or listen to your podcast and do other things to build that like no trust factor. So here's the reality back in the day in the eighties, we had to follow up with a, with a potential a prospect, right? Somebody who didn't really know us. It was five to eight times because they needed to hear your idea, see you, get to know you. It was about five to eight touches. So usually it was a phone call, a networking event, or you would meet face-to-face multiple meetings. Now the statistics is eight to 13 times that we need to touch someone. The difference, I think, or the better difference is we can, we can touch, have them a guest on our podcast. We can touch via a Zoom meeting. We can touch via a phone call, a text. We didn't have all those things, you know, back in the day. So I believe the like, no trust factor can happen quicker because of the social media platforms. People can stalk us and really get a vibe of who we are. Okay. And, and I'll just, this is just another funny aside. And then I'll, I, I will dig in a little more on the follow-up. So people are stalking me on my show, which I find amusing. And then I go to a speaking event, Zoom, right now it's all Zoom related, but we go do a speaking event. And people know me in the audience and I think, I don't know them. And they go, oh, I've been stalking you. I listen to both your shows and I, I'm on Facebook with you. And net net, they're coming to my workshops and then they're buying my program. Now, did I just close in one day? No, there was all of those touches that I was even unaware of. So when I say follow up, it, it's actually easier today, but you have to do it consistently. I'm going to go back to your word and you, ha- you do have to do it with intention and with thought. So for me, I follow up with people I meet and I put them in now, you know, use active campaign. You know, the, now I use a real CRM system where in the 80s, I literally had a tickler system of note cards, zero, um, one through 31 and, and January through December, where I'd move my index cards. Now we have CRM system. But that 2% of successful businesses and salespeople follow up beyond the fifth touch. 2% that blows my mind, breaks my heart. And that's why one of the things I focus on in my program, people need to learn how to do that. Well, I think you hit on something really important, which was the power of social media and the various channels of it to absorb some of those touch points of those eight to 13 touch points you have to do. Because here's the thing, every one of those social media things you put out in the world are broadcast to the entire online world 
365. And so let's say one of your touches is one of your podcast episodes that someone hears. You may have done that podcast several years ago and they may have only heard it for the first time and they go, oh, I love that Connie Whitman. I'm going to download the past five and then subscribe to all the future ones. How many times have you done that listening podcast? I know I do. I find a good podcast. I back up to get some context. Sometimes if I really love the person, I go back to their first episode and then listen all the way up and subscribe every week after that. So talk about eight to 13 touches, their podcast that they've already done, which was broadcast to the entire globe, is now serving as a virtual salesperson for the personal brand that is Connie Whitman. Yeah, absolutely. That's how it works. Yeah. We have to leverage that though. You do have to do it with intention. And for me, it's funny because I did hire a branding expert because I'm, I'm not good at the marketing branding piece. I'm good at the sales piece. And so my website's 15 years old. My, my headshots are 10 years old. You know, it's all outdated. So I hired someone and it's funny, I'm meeting with a photographer next week and I sent him all my stuff, my, my podcast, right? The videos. And he said, I, I get who you are from a business perspective. I don't know anything about you personally. And I said, well, because who cares about my personal stuff? He says, but people, that's part of your brands, believe it or not, that people do need to get to know, like, what do you do on the weekends? And in my head, BP, I'm thinking, who gives a crap? But again, see, it's that like, no trust factor that what does she do on her free time? And this is important. And we hear that word authenticity, be authentic. I don't even know what it means anymore. I will tell you personally, right? That when people meet me, they'll say to me, oh my God, you're a hoot. And I go, oh good, I'm glad you, you, know, you think I'm fun to hang out with. That's great. And we're learning. So to me, you have to have fun to learn. And they say, you are always the same. That's who I am. I don't know how to be, when we talk about consistent and good quality content, you have to be you because if you try to put on, and that's why he said to me, Brian is his name, the, the photographer. He said, you're a hoot to talk to on the personal side, yet on the business side, you're fine. But nobody knows that, like, this is Connie, no matter whether she's personal or professional, Connie is Connie. And people need to know that that builds the like, no trust factor faster. So I'm not a branding expert. I wouldn't have known that. Right. Well, but it's so true. I mean, one of the things I do is when I walk my dogs, I have uh, my iPhone with me and I use an app called Spark Camera and I created a, a, a fake. It's kind of like a show right? I call it walk, talk brand. And it's me walking my dogs, talking into my phone and just whatever I want to talk about. You know, there's always something like I might talk about non-fungible tokens, NFTs, and give people my take on it. And what's my take worth? Nothing. Guess (laughs) what? The takeaway from that NFT episode of the Walk Talk brand video that I put up on Instagram TV, which goes to Instagram, which goes to Facebook, which I can put on LinkedIn. The takeaway is people come up to me and go, how are Olive and Tilly? The names of my dogs. I love it. Because some people I know, absolutely. Some people like me because I like dogs or like me because I've got a Labrador retriever and a rescue dog. Or I've given enough of a window into who I am as a person. And they say the same thing that they've said to you, which is you are exactly the same on your podcast as you are on your walk, talk brand videos. 
as you are in person. Yeah. Have you ever had a meeting with people and someone whip around because they hear your voice and go, Connie, because they know your voice? Yes. So can I share just a funny story? Do we have Please time? do. Okay, good. So I was out to breakfast at the local diner with a girlfriend and my back was to the back of the restaurant, you know, in the booth. And we're talking and talking and talking. Well, apparently this young woman or this woman was behind me. As they were leaving, she stopped and said, hi, Connie. Now I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, wow, you look familiar. Could not place her. She said, do you remember me? I said, I'm, I'm going to be honest. You look super familiar. I can't place you, but I haven't seen you in a while. I know I haven't seen you in a while. She said, when you were a regional sales manager at the bank 20 years ago, I was a teller. She had, was a teller. She said, every time you came in, and I was a regional sales manager, right? So I was SVP, woohoo, big title, who gives a crap, right? So I walk in and I'd go up to the teller line first and I knew every one of their names. Hey, DP, how you doing? How, Jane, how you doing? How's your son's hockey game go? Are we in baseball season yet? I knew something about every one of them. Number one, I really cared about them. Truly, they were my friends, right? They were my family. And she said, you would come in and after you'd leave, we'd all look at each other, no matter how bad our day was. We go, oh, today was a good Connie day. We're so glad she came in. We feel so much better. We'd be inspired. Now, my friend is listening to this and I go, really? And I go, how did you know it was me? You were sitting behind me. I knew that voice. 20 years had gone by and she had to, and gave me a big hug and I'm crying now, DP. I'm like, you made my day. Oh my God. You know, you, isn't it funny? You don't know how you're touching people. 20 years later, I found this out. I didn't know that at the time. Again, I was being me. These were people that, that I respected, that I wanted them to thrive, that we needed as a team to thrive. I just gave myself me. I just gave them me. And she knew it was me. And my friends now cry and go, that is you, though. You are inspiring. On the personal side, it's just, it's really, really crazy how, how synchronicities and things connect and, and, and events happen and, and the people you meet over time. It's fascinating. Life is fascinating. I'm reminded of a quote. I'm actually going to look it up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a Maya Angelou quote. Of course. Everything you just described is summed up by this Maya Angelou quote. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And one of the things about podcasting is that you're literally going in their head via their ears to the point that they consider you a friend. Absolutely. You may not know them, but boy, do they know you. And as you listeners can tell, you're getting to know someone who's incredibly special, Connie Whitman. And I'm so excited that she's going to be on next week's podcast as well. But before we leave this podcast, I want to let listeners know how they can connect with you. So, Connie, is there a social media place or website that you prefer to direct people and engage with them? Sure. So it really uh, two things. They certainly could go to my website, which is WhitmanAssos.com. I have free resources. I, all my podcasts are on there. The podcasts I've been guests on are on there. So everything is there on the website. I'm updating it, guys. So you might get the updated version by the time you listen to this episode. But WhitmanAssos.com. Also, I do have a free gift, if that's okay, that I'd yeah. love to share. Yeah, absolutely. Because communication is so important, I have a free communication style assessment. And your listeners get a report that spotlight your superpowers. But you also get the report of your lowest score, which is your blind spots, which are kind of super important to know. 
So again, it's whitmanassos.com slash CSA for communication style assessment. And that's just a free gift for everybody. Well, definitely check that out. That's Whitman spelled W-H-I-T-M-A-N associ.com. So definitely check that out. Also check out our book, ESP, The Easy Sales Process, Seven Steps to Sales Success. Is that available on Amazon? It is. It's on Amazon, Kindle and hard copy. And again, I have the Amazon link on my website. So if they go to the, at the website, they'll be able to find it. Yes. Well, there you go. Connie Whitman, what a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Thank Listeners, you so much. connect with her because you can see she is a connector hub. You know, it's that Malcolm Gladwell node person. <laughs> you got to get to know Connie Whitman and you got to listen to next week's episode because we're going to keep on going right after I sign off. I'm DP Knuton for the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, and she is Connie Whitman. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> and we'll be talking at you again next week. Bye bye. <laughs>